Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for the original edition, you will see the link to read A-C-I-M-O-E. <clears throat> On that same drop-down, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time. Today, we're continuing our reading of Chapter 24, And chapter 24, Specialness and Separation, with section 4, The Forgiveness of Specialness. And at the top of the hour, we pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day, which is lesson 262. Let me perceive no differences today. And... Fran is going to, has got the, uh, the family issues she's attending to, providing her chauffeur service. And uh, so we're looking for a volunteer to lead that lesson, lesson 262, this morning. Okay, and... Uh, Let me go just review the reading list. Uh, today, we have with us in reading, we have Lori, Robin Marie, Karen, Micah, and Jessica. And listening, we have Ida, Judy, Renee, and Diana. <coughs> Is there anyone who's joined us who would like to join either one of those lists or just say good morning. Okay. Well, I'll go ahead and get us started into the reading then. Oh, unless, Lori, <laughs> you have an opening. You have a fairly short reading this morning. Do you have an opening you'd like to share with us? I do, Lemoyne. I'm really glad you asked because um, because this is a really strong pointing to the truth of let me perceive no differences today. It's a story that has multiple um, multiple origins, so I can't source it precisely, but it's found in a lot of um, spiritual literature, and it goes like this. There's a story they tell of two dogs. Both at separate times walk into the same room. One comes out wagging his tail 
while the other comes out growling. A woman watching this goes into the room to see what could possibly make one dog so happy and the other so mad. To her surprise, she finds a room filled with mirrors. The happy dog found a thousand happy dogs looking back at him, while the angry dog saw only angry dogs growling back at him. What you see in the world around you is a reflection of who you are. Let me perceive no differences today. Amen. Thank you, Lori. That was great. I never heard that before. Thank you. Yeah, me either. Raj, too. Thank you, Lori. Lori. You're welcome. Uh, thank you, Lori. Okay, well, go ahead and pitch into this reading. Chapter 24, Specialness and Separation. Section 4, The Forgiveness of Specialness. Paragraph 26. Forgiveness is the end of specialness. Forgiveness is the end of specialness. Only illusions can be forgiven, and then they disappear. Forgiveness is released from all illusions, and that is why it is impossible but partly to forgive. No one who clings to one illusion can see himself as sinless, for he holds one error to himself as lovely still, and so he calls it unforgivable and makes it sin. How can he then give his forgiveness wholly when he would not receive it for himself? For it is sure he would receive it wholly the instant that he gave itself, and thus his secret guilt would disappear forgiven by himself. Laurie. Uh, Chapter 24, Specialness and Separation. Section 4, The Forgiveness of Specialness. Forgiveness is the end of specialness. Only illusions can be forgiven, and then they disappear. Forgiveness is released from all illusions. That is why it is impossible to partly forgive. No one who clings to one illusion can see himself as sinless, for he holds one error to himself as lovely still. And so he calls it, quote-unquote, unforgivable, and makes it sin. How can he then give his forgiveness wholly when he would not receive it for himself? For it is sure he would receive it wholly the instant he gave it so, and thus his secret guilt would disappear, forgiven by himself. 27. Whatever form of specialness you cherish, you have made sin. Inviolate it stands, strongly defended with all your puny might against the will of God. 
And thus it stands against yourself, your enemy, not God's. So does it seem to split you off from God and make you separate from him as its defender? You would protect what God created not. And yet this idol that seems to give you power has taken it away. For you have given your brother's birthright to it, leaving him alone and unforgiven, and yourself in sin beside him, both in misery before the idol that can save you not. Thank you, Lori. And Robin Murray. Twenty-seven. Whatever form of specialness you cherish, you have made sin. And violet it stands, strongly defended with all your puny might against the will of God. And thus it stands against yourself, your enemy, not God's. So does it seem to split you off from God and make you separate from him as its defender. You would protect what God created not. And yet this idol that seems to give you power has taken it away. For you have given your brother's birthright to it, leaving him alone and, and, for, and unforgiven, and yourself in sin beside him, both in misery because, before the idol that can, that can save you not. 28. It is not you that is so vulnerable and open to attack that just a word, a little whisper that you do not like, a circumstance that suits you not, or an event that you did not anticipate upsets your world and hurls it into chaos. Truth is not frail. Illusions leave it perfectly unmoved and undisturbed. But specialness is not the truth in you. It can be thrown off balance by anything. What rests on nothing never can be stable. However large and overblown it seems to be, it still must rock and turn and whirl about with every breeze. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Karen. 28. It is not you that is so vulnerable and open to attack that just a word, a little whisper that you do not like, a circumstance that suits you not, or an event that you did not anticipate upsets your world and hurls it into chaos. Truth is not frail. Illusions leave it perfectly unmoved and undisturbed. But specialness is not the truth in you. It, it can be thrown off balance by anything. What rests on nothing never can be stable. However large and overblown it seems to be, it still must rock and turn and whirl about with every breeze. 29. Without foundation, nothing is secure. Would God have left his son in such a state where safety has no meaning? No. His son is safe, resting on him. It is your specialness that is attacked by everything, that walks and breathes or creeps or crawls 
or even lived at all. Nothing is safe from its attack, and it is safe from nothing. It will forevermore be unforgiving, for that is what it is. A secret vow that what God wants for you will never be, and that you will oppose his will forever. Nor is it possible the two can ever be the same while specialness stands like a flaming sword of death between them and makes them, quote-unquote, enemies. Thank you, Karen. And Micah. Okay, 29. Without foundation, nothing is secure. Would God have left his son in such a state where safety has no meaning? No, his son is safe, resting on him. It is your specialness that is attacked by everything that walks and breathes or creeps or crawls or even lives at all. Hold on. Nothing is safe from its attack, and it is safe from nothing. It will forever more it will forever more be unforgiving, for that is what it is. A secret vow that what God wants for you will never be, and that you will oppose his will forever. Nor is it possible the two can ever be the same while specialness stands like a flaming sword of death between them and makes them enemies. 30. God asks for your forgiveness. He would have no separation like an alien will rise between what he wills for you and what you will. They are the same, for neither one wills specialness. How could they will the death of love itself? Yet they are powerless to make attack upon illusions. They are not bodies. As one mind, they wait for all illusions to be brought to them and left behind. Salvation challenges not even death. And God himself, who knows that death is not your will, must say, Thy will be done, because you think it is. Thank you, Micah. And Jessica. Thanks. Um, 30. God asks for your forgiveness. He would have no separation, like an alien will, rise between what he wills for you and what you will. They are the same, for neither one wills specialness. How could they will the death of love itself? Yet they are powerless to make attack upon illusions. They are not bodies. As one mind, they wait for all illusions to be brought to them and left behind. Salvation challenges not 
even death. And God himself, who knows that death is not your will, must say, quote, thy will be done, because you think it is. Forgive the great creator of the universe, the source of life, of love and holiness, the perfect father of a perfect son, for your illusions of your specialness. Here is the hell you chose to be your home. He chose not this for you. Ask not he enter this. The way is barred to love and to salvation. Yet if you would release your brother from the depths of hell, you have forgiven him whose will it is you rest forever in the arms of peace in perfect safety and without the heat and malice of one thought of specialness to mar your rest. Forgive the Holy One the specialness he could not give and which you made instead. Thank you, Jessica. And do we have a new reader for 31 and 32? A new reader, 31 and 32? Forgive the great creator of the universe, the source of life, of love and holiness, the perfect father of a perfect son, for your illusions of your specialness. Here is the hell you chose to be your home. He chose not this for you. Ask not he enter this. The way is barred to love and to salvation. Yet, if you would release your brother from the depths of hell. You have forgiven him whose will it is you rest forever in the arms of perfect, in the arms of peace, in perfect safety and without the heat and malice of one thought of specialness to mar your rest. Forgive the Holy One, the specialness he could not give and which you made instead. 32. The special ones are all asleep, surrounded by a world of loveliness they do not see. Freedom and peace and joy stand there beside the buyer on which they hear nothing. Whoops, skipped a line. Freedom and peace and joy stand there beside the buyer on which they sleep and call to them to come forth and waken from their dream of death. Yet they hear nothing. They are lost in dreams of specialness. They hate the call that would awaken them, and they curse God because he did not make their dream reality. Curse God and die, but not by him who made not death, but only in the dream. Open your eyes a little. See the Savior God gave to you that you might look on him and give him back his birthright. It is yours. (laughs) 
Thank you, Lori. And Robin Marie. 32. The special ones are all asleep, surrounded by a world of loveliness they do not see. Freedom and peace and joy stand there beside the bire on which they sleep and call them to come forth and waken from the dream of death. Yet they hear nothing. They are lost in dreams of specialness. They hate the call that would awaken them. And they curse God because he did not make their dream reality. Curse God and die, but not by him who made not death, but only in the dream. Open your eyes a little. See the Savior God gave to you that you might look on him and give him back his birthright. It is yours. 33. The slaves of specialness will yet be free. Such is the will of God and of his Son. Would God condemn himself to hell and to damnation? And do you will that this be done unto your Savior? God calls you from his, God calls to you from him to join his will to save you both from hell. Look on the print of nails upon his hands that he holds out for your forgiveness. God asks your mercy on his son and on himself. Deny them not. They ask of you, but that your will, be, but that your will be done. They seek your love, that you may love yourself. Love not your specialness instead of them. The print of nails are on your hands as well. Forgive your father. It was not his will that you be crucified. Thank you, Robin Ray. Karen, did you finish with 33? 33. The slaves of specialness will yet be free. Such is the will of God and of his Son. Would God condemn himself to hell and to damnation? And do you will that this be done unto your Savior? God calls to you from him to join his will to save you both from hell. Look on the print of nails upon his hands that he holds out for your forgiveness. God asks your mercy on his son and on himself. Deny them not. They ask of you, but that your will be done. They seek your love that you may love yourself. Love not your specialness instead of them. The print of nails are on your hands as well. Forgive your father. It was not his will that you be crucified. Thank you, Karen. Well, um, <laughs> again, this is a section that 
my attempt to summarize has provided a highlighted, almost completely highlighted page. And uh, so I see it as an option as to whether it's like I read it to you again or we go through it again and everybody reads one. I like that option as well. Or it could just open the floor. Does anybody have any opinions either way? Well, this is Jessica. <laughs> I thought of a third option, which is probably not appropriate for me to, to say, but I found this a little difficult uh, to follow, and I would be in favor of reading a paragraph and then and then talking about it, but one at a time. But I don't know if that's totally off the table. Thank you. Um. I'd second that. Okay. Um, hmm. All right. Well, we have we have a limited time before the top of the hour, where <laughs> we have a thought for a volunteer to lead our lesson. Um, I I appreciate I I understand that it's. You're finding it uh, a struggle, but I don't think we have enough time to, certainly not to complete it, but um, let me go ahead, because I think this hangs together, let me go ahead and, and do a do a summary as quickly as I can, <laughs> and then and then we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, section four: the forgiveness of specialness. <clears throat> On twenty-six, forgiveness is the end of specialness. Only illusions can be forgiven, and then they disappear. No one who clings to one illusion can see himself as sinless, for he holds one error to who himself as lovely still, and so he calls it unforgivable and makes it sin. How can he then give his forgiveness wholly when he would not receive it for himself? For it is sure he would receive it wholly the instant he gave it so, and thus his secret guilt would disappear, forgiven by himself. Whatever form of specialness you cherish, you have made sin. Inviolate it stands, strongly defended with all your puny might against the will of God. And you have given your brother's birthright to it, leaving him alone and unforgiven, and yourself in sin beside him, both in misery before the idol that can save you not. It is not you that is so vulnerable and open to attack. Truth is not frail. 
what rests on nothing never can be stable. However large and overblown it seems to be, it still must rock and turn and whirl about with every breeze. Without foundation, nothing is secure. Would God have left his son in such a state where safety has no meaning? No, his son is safe, resting on him. It is your specialness that is attacked by everything that walks and breathes or creeps or crawls or even lives at all. Nothing is safe from its attack, and it is safe from nothing. It will forevermore be unforgiving, for that is what it is. A secret vow that what God wants for you will never be, and that you will oppose his will forever. God asks for your forgiveness. He would have no separation. One mind waits for all illusions to be brought to it and left behind. Salvation challenges not even death. Shorter. Salvation challenges not. And God himself, who knows that death is not your will, must say, Thy will be done because you think it is. Forgive the great creator of the universe, the source of life, of love and holiness, the perfect father of a perfect son, for your illusions of your specialness and insecurity. Here is the hell you chose to be your home. He chose not this for you. Ask not he, enter this. The way is barred. Yet if you would release your brother from the depths of hell, you have forgiven him whose will it is you rest forever. It is in whose <laughs> sorry. Him whose will it is you rest forever in the arms of peace and perfect safety. Forgive the Holy One the specialness he could not give and which you made instead. Or, curse God and die, but not by him who made not death, but only in the dream. Open your eyes a little and see the Savior God gave to you, that you might look on him and give him back his birthright. It is yours. The slaves of specialness will yet be free. Such is the will of God and of his Son. Would God condemn himself to hell and to damnation? God asks your mercy on his Son and himself. Deny them not. They ask of you but that your will be done. They seek your love that you may love yourself. Love not your specialness instead of them. The print of nails are on your hands as well. Forgive your father. It was not his will that you be crucified. Thank you, Lemoyne.
Give him one. I have a couple comments. It's Karen. I loved, loved, loved this reading so much. Um, specialness is something I made. I set it apart from love. I made a, it different and distinctive. It says here that um, I have a secret guilt, and that secret guilt is something I haven't forgiven. And I can't offer uh, forgiveness from all illusions unless I also offer um, forgiveness to the, the unforgivable sins that I've committed or that I believe have been committed in the world. Um, so specialness sets us something apart from love, outside of love. Specialness is attacked by everything. It's not safe, it's not secure, there's no foundation. It's, it's um, a state of complete uh, vulnerability. Um, I just want to say, but truth is not frail, and specialness is not the truth. Only truth is true, remember? Um, I love the line... I love the line, thy will be done because you think it is. Thy will be done. Um, God himself, who knows that death is not your will, must say, thy will be done because you think it is. So that means that whatever I endorse as my reality, I suffer the consequences of that. You know, so if I believe in death and I believe in specialness and I believe in my sinfulness, it's what um, has my real. It is what I experience, although it is not reality and truth. Um, I also love this line: "The special ones are all asleep; they do not see the loveliness all around them." Which goes to what Lori opened this reading with. You know, the the special ones go in and see in the mirrors the growling faces of all the other dogs or wolves or whatever it was, but the, um, the ones who are in unity and in love, they only see the happy, the happy dogs. The um, special ones are all asleep. They do not see the loveliness around them. They are lost in dreams of specialness. And the, op, the alternative to the, the illusions of specialness is that we rest forever in the arms of peace and perfect safety. God is my refuge. That was yesterday's lesson. God is my refuge, refuge and my security. I can rest forever in the arms of peace and perfect safety. That's what God is offering us instead of our specialness. That's enough. Um, I'll let someone else continue. Thank you. I'm complete. That was really excellent. Thank you, Karen. Yeah, thank, thank you, Karen. Karen. I just want thank, to thank you, Karen. You. I, I just want to say thank you to all of you for letting me share that. 
um, I just love that we have an open format to, to share how this uh, reading, you know, integrates us. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Karen. Oh, good morning, everybody. I um, just love the, the line, forgive the great creator of the universe, the source of life, of love and holiness, the perfect father of the perfect son, for your illusions of your specialness. You know that I'm the one that does this to myself. You know, Karen pointed that line out, thy will be done, because you think it is. And the difference between what we think and what is truth is really apparent here, that there is no separation, no specialness. That's the way I think of um, specialness, you know, because um, I think we're all so beautifully unique and original. We're an original idea, irreplaceable in the mind of God. And nobody is like anybody else, right? So that's... That's a source of great um, of love and, and um, inestimable value, whatever each and every one has to offer me as a brother, as the many brothers and sisters, as the one Son of God. And I think the most important parts of this, this text are where he, he stresses that um, the perfect safety and protection of the united power of the kingdom of God, that it was created perfect, we're spirit in one mind, and that we cannot separate, distort it. We can only interpret it and through it and incorrectly misperceive it and judge it and condemn it um, in, in, inappropriately to our own, for our own demise, to, to our own death that we will not recognize our own immortality in the unicity that we share with God's creation as one, its oneness. There's no separate, there's no exclusion, no rejection. It's all equal and the same in, a, in its likeness and, and lack of distinctions or differences at the level of the perfection. Now, for us to deny our perfection is to deny our unity, our oneness, our wholeness. Each one is a part that completes God himself. And without each and every part, God is incomplete in his joy. He he doesn't know his, his channels of joy because we aren't sharing our joy with him and our knowledge of who we are within him. So this is really a good, um, really a good reading. But that God, God asks for my mercy on His one Son and on Himself. I mean, it's a pretty powerful statement. Um, Deny them not. They ask of you that your will be done. They seek your love, that you may love yourself, that we may love ourselves as we are, our one self, in truth. Love not your specialness instead of them. 
um, for we can only we can only crucify ourselves, and um, we can only forgive ourselves. We're the ones doing the judging, separation, condemnation, and crucifixion, and it's in my recognition of the power of salvation is my own that I can I can only look on my brother as equal and the same as myself. And if I see one trace of sin in him, I'm hating my sin, not someone else's. And, oh, that's enough out of me. So glad to be here. And I I just love, love, love this, this Course of Miracles. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Judy. You touched a lot of great, great quotes. Oh, thank you. That, that was really good. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. I'm sorry. This is Ida. I, I fell asleep. Um, which section were you reading? Uh, chapter 24, Section 4, The Forgiveness of Specialness. Oh, section four. Okay. Um, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Ida. Well, hmm. Yeah, Judy, you did something very quickly and fairly quietly that I just want to... Uh, I just want to point out, I mean, it seems like, I think, I think to, I think of it maybe this way, that we perceive ourselves, whenever we perceive ourselves as being attacked, this is a, this is a special occurrence, and uh, it leaves us separate and alone. Um, But uh, there seems to I can't really quite put it into words right now, but there's like a paradox here. Um, and and you passed right through it. I think the answer to this, this question of any feelings of that could be construed as specialness that makes someone different and therefore separate are all held within statements of inclusion actually that all all are chosen and all are accomplished and indeed all are special but to God and yet the same in that and and so it does come back to how we listen and whether we perceive specialness as as, uh, some kind of worldly glorification or an attack. It's it's just a matter of whether we view it as uh, separating and some kind of threat or, you know, whether it's viewed like that or whether it's viewed as a cry for love, and love is offered again to reach across the gap that we would place between each other and restore the sonship 
and pass right on. So, <clears throat> well, we're well past the top of the hour, so I'll ask again if there's a, a volunteer who would like to lead our reflection on Lesson 262. Let me uh, well, this, go ahead, Micah. Uh, uh, this is Mike. If nobody else wants to do it, I'll do it. Okay. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah. Okay. I guess I guess I'm on. Okay. Lesson two sixty two. Let me perceive no differences today. And our section is, what is the body? I'll read a little from there. The body is a fence the Son of God imagines he has built to separate parts of his self from other parts. The body is a dream. Like other dreams, it sometimes seems to picture happiness but can quite suddenly revert to fear where every dream is born. For only love creates in truth. The body is the means by which God's Son returns to sanity. Though it was made to fence him into hell without escape, yet has the goal of heaven been exchanged for the pursuit of hell. The Son of God extends his hand to reach his brother and to help him walk along the road with him. Now is the body holy. Now it serves to heal the mind that it was made to kill. Your safety lies in truth, not in lies. Love is your safety. Fear does not exist. Identify with love and you are safe. Identify with love and you are home. Identify with love and find yourself. Lesson 262. Let me perceive no differences today. Father, you have one son and it is that I would look upon today. He is your one creation. Why should I perceive a thousand forms in what remains as one? Why should I give this one a thousand names when only one suffices? For your son must bear your name. For you created him. Let me not see him as a stranger to his father, nor as a stranger to myself. For he is part of me, and I of him, and we are part of you, who are our, our source, eternally united in your love, eternally the Holy Son of God. We who are one, would recognize this day the truth about ourselves. 
we would come home and rest in unity. For there is peace, and nowhere else can peace be sought or sought and found. And we'll just meditate on, Father, you have one son. And that, it is that I would look upon today. We who are one would recognize this day the truth about ourselves. We would come home and rest in unity. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Micah. Let me perceive no differences today. Thank you, Micah. Thank Thank you, Micah. Let me perceive no differences today. Is that what it is? Yes. Yes, good. Let me perceive no differences today. This is, I have a question. If you have to put in one sentence a definition of what is specialness, what would you say? Thank you. What was Uh, that question? What was that question? The question is, you to put in one or two sentences, what is specialness? The answer to the question, what is specialness? What would you say? Well, this is Micah. For for me, I was appreciating our, our text reading so much because it, these words kind of awaken uh, a deeper awareness. And so in, in, as we were reading, uh, uh, for me, the, the one sentence I would say, it's the feeling of being somebody in particular. And, and, that, and it just brought this awareness of how body identification um, separates me from our oneness of the Christ and um, so it ties in beautifully with our lesson today about, you know, unity. God has but one son. And um, the text, uh, this part here, I thought was the key for me was here, down in paragraph 30, where he says, they are not bodies. As one mind, they wait for all illusions to be brought to them and left behind. They are not bodies. As one mind, they wait for all illusions to be brought to them and left behind. So I, during the reading, I, this one sun is this m- movement into the mind matrix where mind and heart are one. And, and the, the, the spacious self 
uh, where our, we share the mind with God and, and the will of God and the sonship. It's a uh, um, it, anyway. I guess I'm, there's a lot there, but I, I think I'm done. Thanks. That was really good, Micah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Micah. Um, yeah, I think the, the question. I think the question: What was the specialness? What is specialness? What what would you say? I think being better than you. You know, I know it. You know, uh, I'm I, I'm taking on that personal responsibility to be better and above and higher and 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 which comes which comes the suffering, which comes the separation of peace back to control. Um, uh, we we do have. When we take personal responsibility, we can experience peace or we can experience grievance. I think for me, what I'm hearing is there are no victims. There are only volunteers here. If you're feeling triggered, if you're observing something that isn't of kindness or love, then we need to reevaluate that and stop. Just stop and and take that pause and hold hold our peace, if you will, until it returns because it's it's not going to work out <laughs> if we go in the opposite direction. Um, doing the work only empowers ourselves, you know, um, the noticing and, and and choosing God's will. It's I I like. There was kind of um, a, when God said, he is my only son, I think, wait a minute, I, am I not your daughter? <laughs> there was a little bit of, I don't know, sadness in that phrase when we were reading it. Of course I am, but I didn't make myself, and Jesus didn't make him. Well, maybe he did. That's the whole Trinity thing. I understand the differences, and I just choose and it's just another chapter to remind you that we can be as close to him as being his only son or daughter if we truly practice and and want that for ourselves. And we can have that connection at any time, that holy instant, which instantly brings us back to who we are. And, and there's a celebration. There's a loveliness in that. Um, I think just taking personal responsibility for myself. The world has no effect on me unless I invite it in. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. Wonderful. Thank you, Diana. Diana, um, I'm really convinced that um, it's, it's, in our equality, in our in our sameness, in our formless, limitless, totally undivided creation as one sun, that there is absolutely no separation between the the one begotten Son as it's spoken of in creation, and that all of it was nameless and formless, without distinction without distinction or any difference. So, you know, to come at this 
through the eyes of perception is not the right point of view for me. In my understanding of it and my, 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 my intuition, my, my way of knowing God as my Father and everyone and everything as my brothers and sisters, Sister Moon, Sister Sun, Brother Tree, Sister Squirrel, everything I look at with love like ants through the eyes of Christ without judgment, evaluation, and everything is equally important and has an equal part in the total creation of God as his one son. Nothing is more important or less important than anything else. And that's all the value judgments that we put on all our differences. That's what causes, you know, all this sense of conflict and and differences and distinctions in the world. So it's you know, the spirit does not know perception. The Holy Spirit does not see errors. He knows perception, but he does, God doesn't perceive anything. It's different than himself. It's pure loving spirit, extending, extending, extending. And the, the light and the love and the peace and the joy in it are constant, stable, consistent, and one in unity. That grace is flowing. We're swimming in a sea of grace in the spirit and the love and the knowledge of knowing our relationship with that. The totality of the reality of God, that God is, God, it's God's reality. It's God's kingdom of heaven. And that's how I can know God my Father. For me. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. I, I would like to... Oh, sorry. I it's Robin Marie. I I would like to say something about about specialness. As I see it, as uh, specialness is a way of separating. Okay, and uniqueness uh, is. I mean, God created us all to be very unique, and the way we use our our uh, gifts that He gave us connects us all. So anything that we have that someone else uh, does not have because they have a different gift, we get the um, honor to be, as someone said this morning, a channel of joy to connect. And and that relationship, which, of course, is the most important thing, is we're related to God and we're related to each other. So that's how I see the difference of specialness and, you know, we're all together uniquely created. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Marie. That was really beautiful. Thank you, Robin Marie. Yeah, that was a wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Marie, and thank you, Judy. Well, the reason I asked, this is Ida, is because I'm working on my mini course on mastermind.com called Healing Through a Course in Miracles, and I I have a module that is called What is the Holy Relationship? But I'm going to talk a little about the Holy Relationship, what that is, but the opposite of that is specialness. So 
I didn't, you know, I, I thought I could somehow talk about the holy relationship and not talk about specialness because I didn't know what to say about it. But that somehow felt incomplete to me. But now that I've been with you guys on this call and heard what you have to say about it and had my own ideas bounce off of yours too that are very similar to yours, um, I feel like I do have something to say about it in contrast. So thank you very much. You you helped me today. I'm complete. Oh, thank you for bringing it up. Super. Yes, thanks. As Robin Murray said, thanks for bringing it up, Ida, because people <clears throat> people brought up questions earlier, and uh, and that felt like maybe that sort of steamrolled them. I didn't mean to, um, and so I'm glad you returned to that. You know, I I see this. I see this course is arising out of that question, really. You know, there's the statement of a bill that, uh, you know, there must be a better way. And uh, Helen's agreement, yes, there has to be a better way. And then the, the obvious implied question, what is that, right? I think it prepared them for the reception of this answer, which is pretty long. <laughs> but it makes the point over and over again that it doesn't really have to be long. <clears throat> and a lot of it, to my mind, a lot of it does hinge on this thing of specialness is a view of difference. I would say it's a view of difference that make separate, right? That whether it's specially good, somebody who's like, you know, doing whatever they want and making, you know, abundant and apparently abundant in every way that they must be special good or my tendency to get trapped in special badness and, and then need special dispensation from God somehow, right, rather than what's available. If I just look the other way, I don't have to, I, I can get pretty directly to the solution for all specialness. But, you know, the, what Course of Love is very clear about, the, the specialness or difference, always, whatever it implies, it always implies relationship, that there is a relationship to have a difference and that the relationship is always there and that that is, that is what is there as, as our security and the ground of peace, that the relationship is like God is. And our attempts to create division out of in relationship is the source of basically <clears throat> all harm in the world, whether it's with just our perception or whether it actually comes to pushing and shoving or whatever or beyond. Anyway, I'm kind of 
muddly this morning, so I'm going to stop and ask if anyone else has any any questions that that got uh, moved past earlier, and see if they they want to bring them to the group. No, thank you, Lemoyne. I thought that was really clear. Yes, thank you, Lemoyne. Hi, uh, I know I'm um, <clears throat> talking a lot today, but the uh, idea of um, um, miracles and only loving thoughts being true in the perfection of the kingdom of God and um, that oneness, there's nothing to choose between, that everything is one and the same and that it's all God, that it's all love, and that there's no order of difficulties, that ev- that non-judgment is, is is a is the quality of of the Christ consciousness that he doesn't see error or mistakes he doesn't see evil or or sin and that the the totality of the reality is the oneness in and the perfection of it and that specialness is going to pull something out any part of it out that there's no perception in God there's no no judgment in God or his son, that it sees, that God sees everything as itself, that love sees and calls to everything to be love and loving as itself. Everything is a gift to every, everything else. So I'm, I'm, I'm really um, focusing on the, the unicity of the power of the state of mind that's in grace, the grace of knowing the oneness of our source, there's only one source, and there's nothing second to it, and nothing different or distinct that knows itself as anything else. Amen. It's all folks. That was great, Judy. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. This is Micah real quick. I I just wanted to uh, highlight I, I liked it, Robin Marie, when you brought in, uh, you, you accented individuation, and uh, it made me look in that direction a little more, and I, I really appreciated it. It's not so much that individuation and specialness have to go hand in hand. Uh, what I'm, So it made me start thinking about uh, how this feeling of being an individuated self here in this moment, how, how is it expressing the a movement beyond specialness? And it's usually, what I notice is the most, clearest example is when I feel that this is an expression of unity taking on this bodily form and, and manifesting this bodily form in space-time. And it, it is, it is a, 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 a creation dream. It, to me, it's a, 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 a creation of consciousness creating time-space. So it's still, <clears throat> the movement is still into the mind. You know, they are not bodies. As one mind, they wait for all illusions to be brought to them and left behind. It, but it's not so much the body is is not the the problem at all in terms of specialness. 
it's so beautiful in, in its unique qualities and um and thanks Robin Marie for highlighting our those qualities and it uh, reminded me of this quote from a course of love as uh, as we move into a different relationship to the body as we you know Jesus says you have again misplaced yourself and created another bodily identity and it, it's about this identification who are we creating a separate self or is this uh, an expression of unity consciousness that's that's sitting here right now so the quote from the course of love is the body is now the embodiment of the true self the embodiment of love the embodiment of divinity its existence is given as it was always given but now the very nature of exist of its existence has been changed and so individuation is to be uh, celebrated god loves that dance and um so anyway it, it's wonderful okay here oh Roz wanted to say something <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really appreciated that too. The idea of individuation, because I think of that as like the source of light going into a prism creates all these different colors, you know, and that's individuation of color. Instead of uh, thinking that we're better than anybody or worse than anybody, or that you know, just separation. It feels like, you know, there's all these different races of people and um, they all are beautiful and it feels like a mandala of completion of unity, you know. And I think people get it mixed up about, you know, separation and individuation. Individuation is just the way life is and it's a beautiful thing. So anyway, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Roz. That was very beautiful. Good to hear you, Roz. You have good things to say. Thank you. Oh, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And um, forgiveness, forgiveness is specialness. Um, I'm seeing today as an opportunity to get my mind right. And, and Lemoyne, when you summarized it, um, touching on the very most basic ideas in this section, I was reminded of of a story that Jesus told when he was in a body and taught. The story was of the prodigal son. We all know that story. A loving father had two sons, one of whom um, wasn't content at home and wanted to take his inheritance and, and go spend it. And, and he did and, and found himself with nothing and said, well, I'll just I'll tell my father I'll be a servant and maybe he'll let me come back and and serve, but when he came home, the father welcomed him and gave him the special coat and a special ring and killed the fatted calf and called everyone to celebrate. 
what's not often talked about in that story is is the other son and just to remind you I'll read a little bit of it now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near the house he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant and he said to him your brothers come and your father's killed the fatted calf because he received him back safe and sound but he was angry and refused to go in his father came out and entreated him but he answered his father look these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends and when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes you killed the fatted calf for him and he said son you are always with me and all that is mine is yours it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this brother of yours was dead and is alive he was lost and is found it is not often spoken of what happened in the mind of this other son who saw himself as righteous and always doing what the father asked and, and here's this other son who who went and behaved so badly and now he's treated with happiness by the father it's not a it's not a pretty picture it's not a pretty picture and Christ's mind would like to save me from that picture myself <clears throat> I remembered it when when you summarized this morning and I remembered it also over the weekend um, my goddaughter um, leads a life different than than my specialness would like for her and I'm not um, I'm not pleased with myself to say that but she called this weekend and, and asked for money and part of me part of me said well you know that's you know how you do I wasn't proud of that either and then I read this this section and let me perceive no differences that's what Holy Spirit wants to spare me from he said in what we read last week that perception begins by perceiving lack my goddaughter lives a life that I wouldn't wish for her who do I think I am you know and when I thought about it this whole reading and in light of how I was feeling and in light of that story of the older brother I remembered another story <clears throat> that's more precious to me than anything the mystical gospel of John in the 15th chapter he said I am the vine and you are the branches my father is the gardener my father is the gardener he prunes from me everything that's not like him and gives me everything he has and then I remembered my goddaughter all of creation is another branch on this vine we are all <clears throat> part of there's another story Ender's net uh, that I really love where all 
in God's mind is created by a jeweled net to the source of all love and we're all nodes on that jeweled net each of us given relationships where we can express the love of God but specialness would say there's a lack he said it he said early on in this work that to perceive is to lack to perceive is not to know all perception what I think is going on here is based on lack if I think I'm a personal person separated from the vine everything I see will be seen similar to that based on lack there's not enough of God to go around is that true is it true that anything held in the mind of God is lacking anything that's what I think when I value specialness that there's a lack that my father's love isn't enough how could that be to perceive is not to know <clears throat> and when I cherish specialness I have something that creation doesn't have I separate myself from myself I lose track of who I am I'm no longer part of the vine as a branch here to bear fruit to love I'm busy um, making judgments about someone else that is only a projection of my own lack that's why he says you perceive yourself frail and weak if I'm locked on specialness everything is attacking me then he says your foundation what does he say about foundation and specialness I love how you brought it up Robert Marie if I'm if I'm busy um, considering myself different than somebody else what I'm really doing is projecting my own lack but when I remember that this in paragraph 29 when I remember that my foundation is built on God yesterday's lesson thank you for that Karen God is my refuge and strength I have no need to consider another branch on this vine is lacking anything <laughs> nor do I consider my branch different than anybody else's branch we're all part of interest now special special in God connected to the love of God woven 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 in God's tapestry <laughs> from my position on the branch you know when I see myself as as separate um, I fail to appreciate the beauty of God's tapestry it's it's like looking you know how it is when you take a tapestry and you tip it over on the back side um, you can't see anything you can't see anything but when I remember what I am when I remember my foundation my home is God my refuge and my security how could I possibly with that with that abundance how could I possibly consider myself in a light other than how God sees me 
And how could I possibly consider anything in creation as less than perfect? So it goes on. In lesson in paragraph 34, God asks for your forgiveness. This business of separation with an alien will, the death of love, I invented all that. How did I invent it? I invented it by perceiving lack in creation. I did that. I did that with my mind. I haven't done anything in reality, but what I've done is I've limited my own awareness. I've lost the truth of me. Because the truth of me is equal to the truth of everything in creation. If I forget that by perceiving lack, I've lost the awareness of love. So he says, forgive the great creator, the source of life. He's saying, bring this illusion to truth. Bring this illusion to truth. Which to me is, I don't know. I don't know. I, as a person, do not know. But as the accomplished in truth, it's my will to love. I don't have a separate will. Remember Lesson 74, there is no will but God's? When I remember that, I remember that all of this conflict, all of this lack, all of this judgment is just not part of truth and I don't need it. I don't need it because I have everything. If I'm dreaming of specialness, I'm lost. I'm lost in a dream. All that means is that the truth of me has lost my awareness. If the truth of me has lost my awareness, then I've lost the truth of you. And so the remedy, the remedy is back in paragraph 28, my mind invented frailty and then I projected it to save my specialness. What's the remedy? Lesson 74, or 37. Lesson 37, my holiness blesses the world. In the presence of blessing, where is lack? To perceive is not to know. But when I accept, he said, he said, in fact, he made it so plain. He said, it's in chapter 3. Those who believe in lack, those who perceive, have not accepted the atonement for themselves. But when I accept atonement for myself, I've accepted my Father's will. I'm no longer looking at life from the perspective of the older brother. I'm rejoicing with my Father that everything that was lost has been found. <laughs> To forgive is, is to remember that, to bring my illusion of lack that I might be projecting to truth. I was a man who remembered the soul and its knowledge. I did this from the bottom up. I brought illusion to the truth. He's simply inviting us to do the same thing. And to bring illusion to truth is to forgive, is to release what my mind did. I'm complete. Mm. Thank you so much, Lori. That was really helpful and so clear. Yes, it really was. Thank you, Lori.
Thank you always, Lori. Thank you. And I felt like the older brother in that story many times in that in my life because I'm the oldest in my family. I'm the oldest sibling of the three of us. And um, my um, my brother got to stay with my parents in in their house. But it's kind of like the opposite of the Bible story. But he got to stay in their house. But when I when I got divorced and when I was homeless, uh, I came back to visit and I asked my parents if I could stay there, and they said no. And um, that was a long time ago. But um, and then. Um, just this year, when I was trying to talk to my mother about her final wishes because she was turning 93 and just to make things more tidy for us when the time came, I didn't get much of an answer for her except it's taken care of, it's taken care of, it's taken care of, but whatever, you know. But um, she volunteered the information that, and I always assumed she was going to give the house to the three of us and we could put it up and sell it, you know, and divide the proceeds, but she said she was giving the house um, to my brother, who never lived anywhere else, and never actually supported himself, and so I was being, you know, judgmental, and just like that older brother in the story, it's like, I was good, you know, I did what I was supposed to do in life, and I didn't bother you too much for anything, and, and, um, and I took care of myself, even when I was homeless. I got, you know, even when I was divorced, even when I would miss my kids and blah, 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 you know. And and my brother, he, he stayed there and he just, you know, never took care of himself, never would go get Social Security, never would try to get mental health help and all this stuff. And, and you're giving him everything. You're letting him stay there his whole life and, and, and giving him the whole the house all to himself and the value of that house. And so in, in the guise of righteous judgment, yeah, I had really good reason to judge, just like the older brother. But in the guise of in the truth of what Boy was just talking about, no. I, in God, I have everything. In God, I always have what I need. And love is the ascended of what is important um, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all things else shall be added unto you. By all things else, he meant everything material that we could possibly ever want or need, our food and our clothing and everything else. And uh, in, in that judgment, I was not loving my mother or, or my father. I was not loving my brother, my literal brother. If I can't love my literal brother, how can I love every other brother who is part of the Son of God, you know? So um, I don't know if I have any of that actual judgment left in me. I really don't know. But if I do, I certainly want to lose it as soon as possible today and replace it with divine love and the real perception of holiness. Thank you. I'm complete. Ida, that was so very beautiful. Thank you. 
Thank you for that special spirit. Ida, thank you for being so raw and open. I, these are real feelings, and I can't speak for anybody else, but I get it, and I understand, and I just wish I were there to give you a big, warm hug because I, I love you and your honesty and your help with this program and breaking things down and, you know, seeing them in a different way. You're always of love and service to this group. And those feelings that you express, I like when when people are really open because it doesn't make me feel like, is it just me? Is it? So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Diana. It, it feels better to to tell you what's really going on in my head and my heart. Regardless of the little voice that says, they'll judge you, they'll judge you. But that's just a judgment of, that's just me judging you, you know, to do that. That's just the ego again. So never mind about that. I'm complete. <laughs> Thank you, Ida. Yeah, thank you, Ida. That's a powerful example of putting down the flaming sword. It's like, you know, why do we hold it? Well, we have... It's the secret judgment. It's the comparison and competition rather than relation and... uh, Uh, just letting things be as they are. Yeah, there's Thanks, somebody, If if people focus on <clears throat> okay, if if <laughs> what appears pretty clearly to be a cry for love is treated with judgment, then. And we're not going to get out of the the trap we've made for ourselves. <laughs> like, yeah, because mm-hmm. <laughs> it does it does always seem harder to forgive those who declare themselves to be our enemies and to see that as a <clears throat> and to see that as a cry for love. But you know, even behind people who go to war, there is this. Why do people muster all that gumption and material and throw it all away in war is the attempt to create peace through opposite means. And, uh, yeah, any peace that's created that way is either exhaustion or the triumph of fear. And, uh, Yeah, just thank you, Ida. I'll just stop there. (laughs)
You're welcome. Um, one would think that, well, I could discuss this with my brother in a loving way, and, and we could at least understand each other's feelings, but I can't discuss it with my brother because he won't talk to me, and he hasn't talked to me hardly at all for years and years. So uh, I have to, if I discuss anything with him, I have to do it in, in, in only in an energy way, etherically, and, and I have to discuss it with you guys. I have to discuss it with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and uh, keep coming back to it until, you know, unless all is completely forgiven, if it's not complete forgiveness, guess what? It's not forgiveness at all. <laughs> Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Ida. Yes, thank you, Ida, for uh, returning to the uh, <laughs> what's there in the first first paragraph, you know, and re- return to that uh, that you know the forgiveness. It's not like it has to be complete, but forgiveness, as as it works, restores us to the wholeness that is creation and uh, yeah, and that can that can wash away a lot of breath and uh, so I ask now uh, Lori do you have a close for this uh, <clears throat> oh? I, you know I do Lemoyne um, there's a lot of good places but what I love the most is this these three paragraphs, three short paragraphs from Lesson 37, which is, My Holiness Blesses the World. Because this idea contains the first glimmerings of your true function in the world, or why you are here. Your purpose is to see the world through your own holiness. Thus are you and the world blessed together. No one loses. Nothing is taken away from anyone. Everyone gains through your holy vision. It signifies the end of sacrifice because it offers everyone his full due. And he is entitled to everything because it is his birthright as a son of God. There is no other way in which the idea of sacrifice can be removed from the world's thinking. Any other way of seeing will inevitably demand payment of someone or something. As a result, the perceiver will lose, nor will he have any idea why he is losing. Yet his wholeness is restored to his awareness through your vision. Your holiness blesses him by asking nothing of him. Those who see themselves as whole make no demand. Your holiness is the salvation of the world. You'll love this idea. It lets you teach the world that it is one with you, not by preaching to it, not by telling it anything, but merely by your quiet recognition that in your holiness are all things blessed along with you. No payment required of anyone. 
Amen. You're right. I love it. God bless you, Laurie. Thank you, Lemoyne, everybody. Yeah, great call. It was a great section. Thank you, everyone.